0: Hey guys, I'm Emily Heal. Thank you so much for joining in for this episode. Before we dive in, I want to go ahead and disclose to you that later on in the episode, we do go into a bit of a side tangent about how God uses struggles in our lives to lead us to Him, which is very truthful. But through that conversation, I wound up speaking a bit about how God's done that in my own life through mental health and Situations within my family growing up. So I want to go ahead and preface that if you currently or someone struggling with mental health severely or if you're in a place where you may be tempted to act on intrusive thoughts, I would advise you to not listen to the end of this podcast. And that's only because I want to protect you from facing any temptations or having a greater desire than normal to act on those thoughts. And I also want to encourage you to feel free to reach out to me on the Instagram page for this podcast. It's as.we.wait over on Instagram. And I would love to just be able to point you to scripture about how, yes, we will face tribulation, but how we can take hold in God through that. And also just give you any tips and practical advice I can to someone who may be struggling with mental health today. And just to quickly disclose why I feel it's important that I don't take that section out completely um it is a part of my testimony and it is something that god has used very powerfully in my life for his glory and my good and because of that i think it's important that i am honest in that and vulnerable even with an audience who maybe you guys will never know me personally but you're hearing my testimony god's disability to come into my life and that was such a powerful way that he did that so I want to disclose that a it's not to have any sympathy for my life it's simply to give glory to God for how he has used previous situations B, that if you feel it would not be in your best interest to not listen to this podcast that is completely fine and I want you to protect yourself from temptation and see feel free to reach out. Feel free to reach out for help. We as Christians are called to carry one of those burdens. And if you need someone to do that, it would be my utmost joy and pleasure to help you do that. And yeah, here we go. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast.
1: Um, so we're going to move into prayer. So to kind of begin with that, how do we pray and what is it that we are praying for?
2: That's a good question. So this will this will be a good <clears throat> transition. What well, we can <clears throat> what we can do is we can look at Matthew chapter 6. And whether we're approaching private worship or prayer, um, we really have to keep faith in Christ at the center of both of those um we do this by faith and so when when you're praying um how do i pray we would say we pray by faith now we're going to get into some some more specifics as christ teaches about prayer but but really that has to be um at the heart of all prayer is that that prayer is offered up by faith, And so, like I said in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches on prayer. We can start at verse 6, and then we'll go to verse um, 13. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. One of the major points of emphasis that I try to make anytime I'm meeting with a student or a parent or teaching on the topic of prayer is that it's so clear when Jesus teaches about prayer, he says to do it privately. Mm-hmm. Right? This, when a person prays privately, it almost necessitates faith mm-hmm. because you're not praying to anyone. Except God, mm-hmm. it can be really challenging when we ask students, high school students, even seniors who have been in student ministry for years, to pray in front of their friends, like at a Bible study meeting or or maybe for a youth worship service and, and sometimes I scratch my head and wonder, is that a good way to teach prayer to our students because in reality. Jesus did not teach his people that prayer is necessarily intended to be an event for other people. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do I think that we should have corporate prayer or prayer in front of others? I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. However, if that is the, the main chunk of a person's prayer life, then they're very out of balance. Mm-hmm. Jesus specifically teaches for His people to be alone when they're praying. Yeah. And again, I'll, I'll repeat this, that almost necessitates faith. Mm-hmm. You almost have to have faith in order to pray privately with God. Otherwise, I don't think you're, you're gonna have the drive or the unction um, to get by yourself, to close the door, to be in a bedroom or, or your closet or um, driving down the road in your vehicle with all the windows up and the radio turned off and you're talking out loud and people are driving by thinking you're crazy. But you're doing that as an act of faith, right? Mm-hmm. Which is also what we do when we come to our quiet time. Yeah. We do both of those in faith, in faith in Christ.
1: Yeah. I've never thought about that aspect of it that whenever never you all, as we can see in like 4-6, like if you're going into a room, shutting the door and praying in secret, I've never thought about the fact that you're not doing that with someone there yeah. um, physically. Um, and I think one of the challenges we have an unbelievable trying to understand how someone could believe in God a lot of times as well you don't have any physical today evidence that's right in front of us that we can visually see mm-hmm. um, of his existence not just historical evidence of events but of God himself but then we as believers I think can still struggle with that of warning signs from God physical evidence in some way but whenever we're having to go to him personally quietly and in secret it is us going and speaking to ourselves, if you're looking at it from the outside in. Um, but then having to trust that God is hearing it, that God is faithful, that God is in existence and that he is listening to his children. And I've just never thought about it that way, but even going back to quiet time and private worship, sometimes we can get lost within the emotional pool of experiencing fellowship with other believers, mm-hmm. which is a good, just thing, and it's a blessing from the Lord. And it's a privilege that we can celebrate and rejoice with other believers about our God. But he does call us to also worship and celebrate him as an individual, which is a lot harder for us, I think, to feel those right emotions of awe and praise Mm -hmm. instead of being lost in the emotional pool of everyone else around us. That's
2: right. And I think it could even spark perhaps a different set of emotions too. Oh, yeah. Um, Again, just the way that we feel... Um when we're with a group of friends hanging out, if um, you know, my wife will sometimes set aside time and uh, go out with her friends, mm-hmm. coffee shop and spend time together. Or That's going to be a very different set of emotions, which are good. Those are good. To, uh, I'm glad she's got that quality time with Godly women. But that's going to be an altogether different experience mm-hmm. versus when she's with one of her friends right. and they're having a private conversation mm-hmm. and they're able um, to open up about things in a different way. Right. Absolutely. And, and so I think about... That's how it is, too, with us. When I'm in a room by myself and the door is closed and I expect maybe there's not even anyone in my house, the filter is off Mm -hmm. with my prayers. I can pray in a much more unpolished carefree. And I don't mean carefree in the sense that I can, you know, say whatever I want. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but it's a very different setting compared to when I pray in our pastor's meetings mm-hmm. and there are other pastors listening. Because believe it or not, even when you're a vocational pastor, you're still sometimes thinking, what is the person next to me going to imagine if I say the wrong thing when I'm praying? Yeah. You know? when you're by yourself and you're alone and you're praying with God, those thoughts are far away. Mm. You are just focused on God.
1: Yeah. And I think another aspect of that too, for me personally, something I have realized is that... Whenever I'm praying with a group or praying with the corporate body, typically that's with the intention of praying over a sermon or a message or over a group of people going out to do missions work. Whereas if I'm praying to God by myself alone, I'm often confronted with my sin in ways I'm not going to be with fellow believers. Absolutely which leads me to more humility because I'm realizing just how badly I need him. But also sometimes I can feel even more sin because I'm getting angry with myself about my sin instead of trusting in God himself. So it's almost like through that prayer, God's then continuing to sanctify me again, but leading me to even further lie on Him through more prayer.
2: Which I think is one of the great purposes of prayer. I don't think it's the only mm-hmm. thing You use that phrase, God is sanctifying mm-hmm. me. Yes and amen. Mm-hmm. That is one of the big purposes, again, of, of what God calls us into when He calls us to pray. And And one thing I didn't even point out here is verse 5. Uh, Jesus is teaching, uh, he says, and when you pray,
0: Mm. in
2: verse 5, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues, and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I said to you, they have received their reward. So he, he's comparing and contrasting. He's saying, look, um, these guys are praying because they want to impress a lot of people so that other people will pat them on the back and say, wow, you know a lot of fancy theological terms. Uh, you really seem to have your life together. That is really awesome of you. Kudos. And, and Jesus is saying, look, that's it. That's what they've got. They've got the kudos from their peers. But when you pray, don't be like them. And I love how he says when because therein is an expectation for God's people to be a people of prayer. I point out to my students regularly, he does not say if you pray. He says when you pray. Christ expects His people to want to know the Father. Yeah. And we grow closer to the Father when we pray. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there. it's there for us. Um, you've got a question here. Um, what do I pray for? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Christ gives us a really good model. Um, if you want to pray Scripture, that is amazing. Mm-hmm. That is a wonderful thing to do. You can pray this prayer. But what we have to be careful is... Um, falling into a rut of lacking personal fervor in our prayer life. If, if we are praying scripture, that is good. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, but Jesus did not give us uh, verses 9 through 13 so that our prayer life would only consist of saying what is called the Lord's Prayer. He gives us a model, not, right. not an exact blueprint that we repeat these words and, and that is the most pleasing thing we can do. Well, what he's saying is uh, and, and I've kind of tweaked it a little bit here. What do I pray for? Um, well, the, the worship of God, the will of God, and the work of God. Yeah. I see all three of those things present in these verses. The worship of God, the will of God, and the work of God. We want God to be worshipped. Hallowed be your name. You are above us. You than us. You are better than us. You are better than all else. And we worship you. We well, want his will to be done. Because His will is perfect. His will is better than anything we could brainstorm in a thousand years with the help of the world's smartest people. God knows all. And so we want His will. We're praying that we ourselves would be in His will, walking in His will. And then we want the work of God. We want the work of God in our lives. We want it in our neighbor's lives. And we want it in every one we want God to be at work. When we think about our needs, it says, uh, give us this day our daily bread. We need things from God. Mm-hmm. And so we are acknowledging, again, use that word humility. We're acknowledging that we're nothing, that God is everything. And we yeah. are desperate for him. We need forgiveness. All right, forgive us our debts. Only God can grant forgiveness. Uh, so we, again, need God. We cannot resist sin apart from God so lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil we need God in that Mm -hmm. so those are some things that we pray for We can get very specific we pray for our family members we pray for our um, local churches we pray for our pastors we pray for our city uh, government officials our national government and everybody in between really there are very few things that we don't pray for yeah but we are to be a people of prayer
1: I know in the south especially like that's a phrase a passage of scripture that's been memorized within youth groups and you hear it and you hear it I know for me it was on the tennis team in high school before we went out and played a match however I didn't go up in church so to me it was like okay here's this prayer but what does that mean and I remember the first time someone broke that down for me was probably a year into my salvation I remember it just kind of hit me like how great that is that God has given us a model of how we ought to approach Him, yeah. and like there's so many just ways that we can pray to God, and so many reasons to pray to Him. And you don't have to do this every single time you come, but sometimes you're praying because you want to praise Him and give Him thanks and just shout out, "Praise be Your name." Thank you for saving me. Thank you for bringing salvation to my heart and motivating me to know you. And sometimes it's for his will to be done, whether that be out of excitement of what we see coming or out of complete despair mm-hmm. of not knowing what's happening, but that leads our hearts to trust him. Sometimes it's out of our need and dependency on him. A broke college student who's wondering how we're going to pay for education, That's right. all the four five years out from college with a great job, continuing to trust in him that he's providing that need giving us our debts and this is something too that I love because as believers we have been forgiven however we can still come to God with the just recalling assurance of his forgiveness for us of he was my sin I'm laying it down before you god trusting that you will still forgive me um because it's Forgiveness doesn't change. He's an unchanging God, which is amazing for our hearts to heal, because we do wander and we do doubt, and then also lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Just that trust and reliance on God that is strengthened through prayer. When we think about
2: how we pray, you know, I think this is a great place to start. Um, a, a couple of other passages uh, come to mind just on the on the topic of prayer itself uh, is it philippians so here i've got you at 4 6 do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to god verse 7 and the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that, uh, not just a recommendation to pray, but but truly if, if we see that for what it is, that, that actually is a command mm-hmm. um, for God's people to be a people of prayer. You use the word despair. We're able to take our desperation to the Lord so that we are not overcome by desperation or anxiety here, as Paul puts it in Philippians Um 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Uh, very short verse, very easy to memorize. Pray without ceasing, mm-hmm. right? Always be in an attitude of prayer. Refuse to to allow the lies inside of you or the lies outside of you to convince you that, that your prayers are ineffectual. And, and here's something I like to tell my students too, uh, and I need to remind myself of this often. When we approach, I think our natural tendency is to think of prayer as our way. And when we say this, it sounds silly, but but deep inside, I, th- I think it resonates with us. We approach prayer with a tendency to think that we need to change God, hmm. right? Uh, my life's not going the way I want it to. I know that God is in control. So let me pray that God will change things so so it's not necessarily a bad thing to pray for improvements it's not so bad thing. i mean we we should want things to get better but we have to be careful that we're not praying to change god because truthfully i think more to the heart of prayer is that prayer should change us
1: uh, absolutely yeah yeah and i think even when we look at scriptural it goes into isogen or exogen scriptural mm-hmm. we making it say what i isogen scriptural what i want it to say yeah. or exegesing as an exhorting and applying that Um, faithfully for what it's truly saying. Um, And I think there's nothing wrong, like you said, of praying for improvement and praying for change, but also establishing, as we can see in the Lord's prayer, that ultimately what we want to be done is the will of God. That's right. And not our own.
2: And sometimes we can't fully understand God's will. Mm -hmm. We can't understand, for example, that God is able to use a season of suffering in a person's life, yeah for the sole purpose of drawing that person to himself which year or 10 years or 20 years of suffering and illness or the loss of a loved one you know poverty go on and on if that's what it takes for that person to get to the point where they are able to place faith in Christ Mm -hmm. and surrender their life to the Lord it's all worth it
1: absolutely God the Father the reason why I get so like joyful about that is because I originally used to struggle with sharing my testimony because I have only come to faith really in the last three years. I'm 21 now. I came to truly know God as Lord and Savior. Um, I think I was 17 going on 18, which reminds me of the Sound of Music song, but that's not what <laughs> we're <was looking> for. <laughs> uh, um, my
2: wife would be very proud of you for working in the Sound of Music quote. That's
1: thank you. Great. Yeah. Um, but my life before God was one in a family that did not pursue Him. Mm-hmm. That we had a Still born in my family, and that caused my mom to go through a lot of heartbreak and suffering. Of course, yeah. Which is completely understandable. Absolutely. Um, our relationship, though, as a young child and as a mother was greatly shaped by that mm. and shaped by the angle she had. I love my mother And we have a very great relationship now. So I always want to preface this. I am no means upset by my mom and I do not think anyone else should be. My life before God was one where I did experience home by the hand of people who were meant to love me and cherish me. And then I fell into a season of depression. And what that was, was self-home and suicidal thoughts and nearly attempting suicide in middle school. And then I got to high school and that senior year, After graduation, I had no idea what I was doing. I graduated and I think instead of having any joy, I was just like, cool, I'm done with that. What's next? Another task to do. Um, But I did not have any purpose or meaning behind what I was doing. And I had questioned God so much, especially after believing myself to be saved in freshman year. I did profess. Christ as Savior and as old, but I think it just took a while for that to fully click in my brain when I was 17. I really struggled with that, and I remember having conversations with my sister when she came back from college of just, why is God allowing this to happen? Why did God allow me to have depression? Why is God allowing all family to not be in harmony and peace? Because my parents fought a lot, but ultimately, God used that, and he completely... I always say this, that like he genuinely knocked me on my butt to make me realize how much I needed him Mm -hmm. and that I could not sustain myself (sighs) without him. And I'm very stubborn by nature. And once again, that's a good thing once it's founded in truth. But if it's not, it takes a lot sometimes for people to realize how long they are on themselves. That's right. Especially too, like even from the mindset of how I was raised. My dad, I love my dad as well. He's a fantastic father and he was... Always there for us to encourage us and motivate us in what we're doing. But he's also a man who very much believes that as long as you walk cold, you can get what you're going for. And that applies to most things in life, but it does not apply to salvation. My walks no matter how many times I do want to tally them, they will never bring me to God unless I'm trusting in Christ himself. Mm -hmm. Um, And all that to say, I don't even know how I get on this topic now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but God genuinely, all the hardships that we face, the tribulations we face, he is using that for his good and for his glory. And I think that's something that sometimes we as Christians might struggle with is that it's for God's glory and not like necessarily all good if we don't have the proper understanding. But once we have that proper understanding, we know that God's glory is all good. Um so all the, all the hardships we face, we can trust that that is for His glory and all good. And we look at people who have been mortal for the faith, but yet still, that was still for the good. They were brought to eternal life with Him. Um, I know I'm going on a huge side tangent right now, but that's just something that is motivating us to be in awe of God when we just get lost in that.
2: Absolutely. Good tangent. That was a good rabbit hole. to <laughs> Yeah, that's really good. Uh, Your last question here, um, does God actually hear my prayers? And I would say, again, whether it's private worship or being a person who is going to take that step of having private prayer, it comes down to an issue of faith. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is what we do. This is what we claim. This is who we are. We are a people of faith. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I just wanted to kind of walk through going all the way back to the Sermon on the Mount. Christ is, is... here in Matthew chapter 6, um, he he is working through three spiritual disciplines. So uh, the discipline of being generous in our giving, okay, uh, the discipline of prayer, and then finally the discipline of fasting. And each time he teaches on these three disciplines, he he essentially concludes with this statement, Matthew 6, 4. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay, there's that. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 18. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So whether it's um, giving generously, making sure that you're not flaunting how generous of a person you are or there's praying <laughs> making sure that you're not praying just to be seen or heard by other men or there's fasting making sure that you're not fasting just for an audience of people. The whole motive is I'm doing this in my relationship with God the Father, mm-hmm. which is a personal, intimate relationship. And I believe by faith that God is aware mm-hmm. of my joyful intentionality and that He is going to reward me. Yeah. Now, here's where a lot of Christians take a misstep, and that is, well, if God's going to reward me, that means He's going to give me what I want. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Sorry. the best reward from God are the things that we could never even want for ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Um, so we have to be careful when we, when we ask the question, does God really hear my prayers? Yes, by faith he does. Mm-hmm. We, we believe that, but we cannot put a measurement on his level of hearing or his level of awareness of our prayers based on how we interpret his response.
1: Absolutely. And I think another thing too is, we can again just make scripture say what we want it to. So whenever we read, I don't remember exactly what reference it is. Um he will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, Psalm thirty seven. Oh yeah. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm thirty seven four.
2: Thirty-seven four. Yes.
1: Nice. So that's the reference. Lord is correct. It is Psalm, <laughs> <laughs> Psalm 37. Psalm thirty
2: seven, verse four. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So yeah, this is this would be a great uh, what we call in, in the ministry a great coffee cup verse. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what you when you're having your quiet time or your private worship <laughs> at 6 a.m. and you've got your steamy cup of joe in your favorite mug. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you desires of your heart. That makes a great gift, mm-hmm. okay? The question is, have have we done um, exegetical jujitsu to get to a point where we think, I want a Lamborghini. I want... A fat bank account. I want um, that that one person that I just think is the the hottest person on campus. And if I will delight myself in the Lord, then I'm going to have the hottest person riding in my Lamborghini going to the bank to count all my money, right? Mm -hmm. No, that is not what this is saying. And I'm not 100% convinced yet that this is the proper interpretation of this verse, but I do think it gives us something great to think about. My wife, Claire, was reading some person's commentary on this verse and and just kind of put a slight little twist on it that God will give you the desires your heart needs. Mm. Not giving you what your heart currently wants, but he will actually give you the desires that need to be in your heart. Mm. He will give you good desires. Yeah. And, And I love that.
1: And I think ultimately the thing is, is God is not going to provide what is against God. Sure. Um, he's only going to give what is just, holy, good, and pure, as he is just, holy, good, and yeah. pure.
2: Um, and, and it's also, think about the things that often our hearts run after. Um, I think it was Calvin that said hearts are idol factories. We just create idol after idol after idol in our heart. There are a lot of good gifts mm-hmm. that that we will try to put in the place where God belongs.
0: Okay? Absolutely. And,
2: and, and, and I'm not even talking about materialism. I'm talking about physical health or a spouse absolutely or a child or a parent um, when we feel like that is more important than God the Father that has become a heart issue for us mm-hmm. right? So I love that God knows what the heart needs. He is the one who created the heart and and He teaches us that as we continue to grow again using that word you used earlier as He sanctifies us um, He will grow us in our hatred of sinful things Mm -hmm. and He will grow us in our love for holy things.
1: Absolutely. And I think even looking at the examples that you just gave of when we can misconstrue this force of wanting the Lamborghini or a big bank account. I think if we were honest with ourselves, we could easily see that the desire we have is not for God. Mm. What we're taking delight in is not God. Mm. What we're taking delight in is the rewards that we think were promised. Um, because delighting yourself in the Lord means delighting yourself in the Lord regardless of what it is He will give you, but instead of what He's already done and who He is. Because I mean, even for myself, and I do want to preface, you can desire good, holy, just things that may not be in the will of God. Mm-hmm. I desire for my parents to have genuine, evident, fruit-bearing faith. However, that has not been provided, and I have to trust that God is still good despite that. Mm-hmm. I have to trust in the fact that He is good and that He has given me so much more than I ever dissolved, because what I dissolved is hell, mm-hmm. but yet He still saved me. He's given me a physical sister who was also my sister in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um and he's brought me to the knowledge and faith of him. So even when he does not give a good desire of my heart to see my parents come to genuine salvation, I still have to trust that he is still good. And the desires of my heart that all good, holy, just, and within his will are going to be met every single time. Absolutely. Well said. Thanks. <laughs> But well, if you would, if you would just pray us out that we would have hope yeah. seeking God in the world and Holt seeking Him in prayer.
2: Sure, let's be short and brief and in our public prayers and let's be longer and more intimate in our private prayers. Um, thank you for having me. Um, I appreciate this time with you. God, you are good. We love you. We thank you. Grow us to be a people. We love you more and more. We thank you for Christ. We pray this in His name. Amen.